This is Geekspeak. I'm Lyle Troxel. In the air with me is Ben Jaffe. Hi, Ben. Hi. This is kind of a, a state of the Geekspeak podcast and also some stuff that we want to talk about. And I'm about to go on like a medical leave for surgery. So we're right. going to talk about a few things this episode. The reason why it's kind of a state of union kind of thing for, for Geekspeak is that, you know, we're I've been doing it for 19 years. Uh, the September will be it's a long years. time. Yeah, and the show's been going on for longer than that, a couple of years before we started as a call show. And now that I'm doing so many other podcasts and so many other kind of this kind of work, Geekspeak has become unclear as to what it was. For a while, it was a, a news tech show. You know, for a while, it was a call-in show where you ask, like, why isn't my printer working? Yeah. And then <laughs> when, when I took it over, I really turned it into a thoughts about the technology and, the, and try to explain technology to everybody. Yeah. But the truth is there's so many podcasts out there right now that and technology has changed so fundamentally and is so much more part of our lives. Everybody has a smartphone in their pocket. That now this program has it's very challenging to define what it's it is, except for things I want to talk about. Right. And geek, the term geek for me has always meant someone who's unabashedly uh, okay with talking about something they care about. Yeah, excited, unabashedly excited, and and yeah. wants to share that. Yeah. The last one that you and I recorded about a month ago. Uh, we pulled in a colleague, Rich, and as I was listening to it... You do the editing, too. I do. I do the editing, hence the, the So delay. you do a show, and then you listen to the show multiple <laughs> times as you're editing it. Yes. It's time-consuming. Yeah. <laughs> and, and interesting. I learn a lot from doing that. What, like what? Um, about how I interact and how I engage oh, with people. What I found is that in uh, the Important Thing podcast, one of the ones I do, it's only two people talking. And I am less likely to interrupt and more likely to, you know, let the other person speak. And I felt like I've gotten better at that in general on GeekSpeak. Yeah. And I actually, I will just throw in my hat on in this opinion piece and say you have, definitely. Like, I, I feel like um, I've, seen, I've seen you, I guess, grow as a moderator mm-hmm. um, when more than one person are involved. And... What I've found listening to this last episode that we three of us recorded is that I was interrupting you all over the place. It was very frustrating to listen to. Oh. Do you remember that experience of being interrupted by me more when Rich was in the room? Um, no, actually. Because I think I have two modes. I, no, I think I have three modes of interacting with you. What actually. are they? Yeah. Um, one mode is just as a friend. Another mode is one-on-one podcast. And one-on-one podcast and as a friend are very similar. Yeah. Like, maybe there's some places we don't go uh, with while the mics are hot. But um, and then the the third way of interaction of of interacting with you is um, in a radio or podcasting setting where there's another person and you are not yourself. You are playing the part of a moderator or of a facilitator. And so I noticed that a lot of what you bring to the table. Uh, besides being your own thoughts, is trying to facilitate conversation. Yeah, and um, and it's I think that's just generally a really hard balance. I don't even know if I'm trying to facilitate conversation amongst the members of the three person group, three or more. I think that I'm thinking about what's most interesting to the to the individual listener. Yeah, and that puts me on a space of trying to continue the conversation faster than it 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 should. And right. I think that comes from that radio perspective of. You know, we have we're on mics for fifty-seven minutes, and everybody has something to say, and so the more efficient we can be at saying those things, the better. 
You've got breaks. You've got the timer, the clock counting down at the end. Right. I'm also thinking about audio integrity. I'm thinking about the. I'm thinking about what my what my own desires are, but I'm also thinking about how to express to the audience what's happening. Yeah. And I'm I'm I've been doing this for so many years that it's natural. It kicks in. I don't really think about it, but yeah. then I listen back to the recording. And I I should probably play a version of this, but this is another example of why I don't why GeekSpeak's not as consistent. It's the one that's not that's my own pace, and therefore I don't edit it as much as as quickly as the other podcasts. Um, so I don't have the audio clip. I could build it up, but effectively it's something like you're going to tell a story about Picard. We talked about Star Trek, yeah, and the new Park Picard series, and you start talking about Picard and you start talking about the grapevines, and I clarify that. Picard's brother had a vine, you know, like I like jump in there, but you're telling a story about the thing, you know, and you're going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's possible that I won't get to it because I've decided it's not important or I'm about to say it. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you jump in and like take the words out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just just stepping back for a second, I'm I'm thinking about, I actually haven't reflected on this before, but um thinking about the differences between radio and podcasting for a while, I just kind of assumed they were the same um, uh, with the exception that uh, podcasts, you know, can be any length, but mm. we didn't really treat them that way for a long time. We tried to make it still the same length. We even had a timer when we weren't on the air for a while um, yeah. be- because I, I guess we were, we were thinking like that type of time pressure pulls out the good bits more quickly, makes the podcast denser, maybe more interesting to listen to. Um, at the end of every show, you read off all the stuff, like the theme song is about, you say all that so fast, but but why? Like right. on a podcast, you don't need to, but on radio, it's absolutely imperative that you do because maybe you realize, oh crap, we have 42 seconds left and I have 56 seconds of, of speech to go through. You know, you've got yeah. that kind of thing going on. Um, and also the, the faster you say it, the more interesting conversation we can have just before that moment. But on a podcast, it's not necessarily, not, not necessarily true. Well, I have two points about that. One is that if you spend too much time, uh, the podcast becomes less interesting. Yeah. So if I were to read that stuff slower, if you've heard it once, you don't need to hear it again, really. Yeah. So there's a bit of that, but I think in general, I'm moving from a place of fear. The second point is really that I'm moving from a place of fear. Hmm. That first off, I do strongly believe you can make content that's a conversational piece that's boring. Yeah, and I don't want to be doing that. That's true. Right? I feel like though, if I'm involved and interested in the conversation, at least I'll collect people that are interested at the same level I am. And so it doesn't have to be some fictitious thing I set up. It's just that it will be selective more to the person that wants to hear a conversation that's a little bit slower potentially or Mm, a little more rich. I see. Um, I guess I have two more points. The second of the third points is that I listen to podcasts at two speed, pretty regularly. Yeah, that's true. I do that too. But so can people that listen to us right now if they want, <laughs> and that can be a choice, right? I don't listen to your podcast at two, at two speed. <laughs> the third point, and it was, was originally my second point, is that where it comes from, it's more investigation onto this fear point. When yeah. I grew up, um, I grew up, my father ran a radio station, had a radio show. And I'd hang out um, in like middle school. I'd, I'd hated school. 
and I'd ditch school and I'd go with my father to the radio station. Really? He was very supportive of like experiencing things. And I'd go to the radio station and I'd go and grab albums and play with um, with albums, but I'd also do some taping, like reel-to-reel taping and learn how to do that. So I was kind of like engaged in the tech of the radio station. Interesting. So you were learning something other than school. Yeah. In place of school. That's, I think it was yeah. kind of the deal with my dad is that you kind of had to learn something if you're not going to be at school. Oh, interesting. I see. Huh. And in that environment, it was a um, a community radio station. This is KUSB, right? KUSB, yeah. yeah. Where we used to do the show. Where we used to do the show. Every Saturday the show at 10 came from. In fact, the reason why I started hosting is my father needed a fill-in person, and he asked me to do it. Huh. So you've probably heard some community radio hosts, DJs. Yes. And I will emulate one for you right now. Well, we just listened to a bit of Otis Redding. Papers wrestling, papers wrestling. Yeah, and it's just, it was so, the the, the music was lovely, but the interjection was not entertainment. It was was dry, it was boring. Now, it did have a pace that was loose, and it might have fit the last song that played, but there was something about it that I just couldn't stand. And that also came from my theater background. I grew up on stage, you know, and you're in front of an audience, you speak a certain way, you present yourself to capture an attention. And so I put my name in the hat when I was probably in high school or something to the the music director and said, hey, I want to do a show. And I made a tape and it was poppy and fast and uh, and I'm really excited all that. And he got back to me months later and said, Lyle, do you even like music? Um, Oh, no. He's like, well, then why are you asking to be a DJ? I'm like, oh, no, that's what people do there. It wasn't until years later I realized, oh, a talk show is the way to go. Right, right. But that motivate motivation of thinking about that drowning kind of boring voice has stuck with me to the point where if I ever hear that in myself or in my show, I get upset. Okay, so there there are kind of two things I'm hearing. One is that you want to move toward something good, a particular way of speaking that's engaging, um, interesting. And the other is that you're trying to run from the super boring part. Yeah. So I'm curious to know more about your how like how would you break down your motivations? In in look in talking with you about this? Yeah. Well first off I think like it's how, a, how often are you running toward what you want and how often are you running from what you don't want? Oh wouldn't it be great if we always knew these answers? Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. It's a great great way of thinking about it. I think that understanding and being aware of what motivates me to be quicker allows me to then go, wait, the goal of that is to not be boring, right? That's the point of it. The truth is, if I have a conversation with you about Star Trek and you and I are not on microphone, we're going to kind of talk the way we were talking the other day. I'll be like, oh, the grapevine? Oh, yeah. Like, we'll collide a bit and we'll do this thing because, you know, you and I both know that Picard's brother ran a grapevine, you know, ran a vineyard. And we, and we talked about, you know, the... British accent versus the French accent of his brother mm-hmm, had a French mm-hmm. accent, but his name is Br- uh, French and why? And we had some jokes. I don't remember anything about what we talked about. <laughs> when you and I are chatting and we know a bit about each other and we can finish each other's thoughts and things of that nature, yeah. it feels relatively natural um, to do, you know, for me to go, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, great friend, yeah, for his brother, right? But when an audience is listening that doesn't necessarily know that, I have to think at some level what's interesting for them. Yeah, the term I love for that is the third chair. Like, yeah. there's you, there's me, and there's a third chair, and that represents everyone listening. And so you can't you can't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know about that. Right. You no, know, keep going. No, I, like, we have to go through it. Right. 
<laughs> and so then I'm going through it, which is, of course, fictitious in some sense, right? It's not really rep- me. It's me representing a group. Oh, interesting, yeah. And then I'm also talking with my friend, and so... How much is performative and how much is natural, yeah. So it gets really hard to, to separate that out. Now, if we're talking about something, and I'm generally curious about your thought process, and we've set some of that, and it's not something that you and I know about each other already, like you were also in this last episode talking about what it was like to start a company and kind of this ramping up and then feeling like you need to catch up and this kind of, yeah. this is this description of how you feel as you start as a company. In that part, I'm not interrupting you at all because I'm like, what are you talking Like, This is interesting. I, I haven't, I had heard yeah. this from you before. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's there's something about uh, trying to keep a conversation moving forward in an interesting way at a, at a ideal, uh, ideal speed yeah. that kind of breaks something, yeah. I guess, about the natural nature of conversation. So that's part of what I want to talk to you about. So anyways, I'm sorry I'm uh, interrupting you, and I think that it's, it's an opportunity for us to look at where we can have interesting conversations where we won't necessarily interrupt each other. Yeah. Additionally, we had a lot of talk on this in this episode with Rich, who was with us as well, about Star Trek and Star Wars, and that was kind of fun, but also kind of like odd hmm. um, to, we were joking about like, which is better, right? Which is not really a valid question. It's yeah, more of like a yeah. funny story. It's kind of the the question everyone always goes to. Right. Because we like to see things in binaries. Though Rich did bring up a good point, I thought. so. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another point I want to bring up just on, on conversational styles is that uh, I think you and I are also just different in our conversational styles. And uh, I notice that I tend to prefer more spaciousness mm. in conversations. Like, I like to be able to stop and think about what I'm going to say. And I don't think, I, I think that, you know, the DJ example, right? It it sound, it shares something with the DJ. It shares the the pauses, right? Yeah. Um, but everyone has their cadence. And with podcasting, you can listen at 2x speed. With radio, you absolutely cannot. Yeah, and so in that gap, someone gets to think about, okay, do I change? Do I turn the dial? Do I move to something else? Yeah. Um, and so you kind of need this constant compelling nature of it. Um, but yeah, even in our, in, in our personal conversations, I find that, uh, you tend to move faster than I do. And I think this is also a, a relatively new thing with me. I think as I've, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated, uh, spaciousness in conversations more. Mm. Um, and I've appreciated maybe, um, maybe word density if that makes sense like what is it you're conveying with your words more words doesn't necessarily mean more meaning yeah yeah i don't know i I think that's another interesting piece of this the difference between a personal conversation maybe as i would prefer to have it versus how you would prefer to have it versus where we end up compared to us sitting here with the invisible third chair you know it's interesting that like as you're talking about this i'm thinking about well is this an is this content interesting to the general population like i think it's really interesting because you and i do engage a lot and i do notice this the the way that we speak and i'll slow down in engaging with you to be yeah. to have a more meaningful i mean the thing about slowing down is it's not just the the sound of the conversation but it's also the inherent thing you're giving to the other person i'm really going to give you my time like mm. i'm going to not do other things i'm going to think about this and just really be in this moment it's kind of equivalent to the way to really the way that I really enjoy uh, experiencing nature. 
where you just don't do, just be. Yeah. I think you're onto something there, and I think that can be applied to the third chair as well. Um, I think by having a moment in a podcast, you are giving something to the listeners. You're giving them the opportunity to reflect on what you've said. What's the economics? Freakonomics, that's... uh, I, I think Freakonomics has a lot of interesting content, but I can't really stand listening to more than an episode every month or so. And the reason is that in between all of the segments, they put a little musical interlude. Mm. Um, so they will they will craft an argument. They'll craft um, this this whole context, give you the punchline. And then I, in that moment, want just a beat. Mm. to internalize it. If not, think about it myself just to internalize it. Isn't that what the music is for? Mm. I find that the the way that the music is used actually disrupts my ability to think. Interesting. I just want maybe half a second more, maybe one second more. Yeah. Um, because that pause is telling you something. It's saying something just happened. Right. You know, we... it. Uh, all of the rest was maybe context setting, but when you say the thing that helps the thing land for the for the listener, something just happened. And by giving just a beat to the listener, it allows them to have their own experience. I also think that's interesting that I know that you and I listen to music and hear music differently. Mm. You know, I can I can play a bit of a tune, and if it's something that you know how it ends, you kind of finish it in your mind. I think all of us do that a little bit, right? Uh, shaving a haircut thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do that. But I think that you have like even tonal abilities where you're like, wow, that we almost heard all the chord, but we didn't really. So the rest of that chord would be this. And it, it'll produce some effect in your mind that taking cycles of thought, I just don't have that, right? Mm. So if I hear a little interlude of music, I am ignore The music's not, it's almost like silence to me. And I wonder if that's a part of why, why it really stands out sometimes. Mm. I was pulling into my driveway yesterday. I was listening to classical KDFC and they were playing... It's a radio station. Yeah. I I don't remember exactly what they were playing. I think it was a piece by Mozart or Beethoven or something. And uh, so I pull in, I turn off the car. And the moment that I turned off the car was just the moment before a chord resolved. And... I was so annoyed with myself. It was um da da dum da da dum dum, and, and the, the, the resolution is bum, and I didn't hear it. Did you go inside and play it? Uh, I did not. Uh, there's a there's a story. I believe it was Mozart. There's a story which might be apocryphal, where um, someone composed a piece that ended on that that five seven chord right before it resolved and then they didn't resolve it and it drove uh mozart just kind of nuts as the story goes yeah yeah, he he went to his piano and he played the final chord (laughs) i could just totally see you doing that and also i could see you getting over it oh yeah i I get over it i'm i'm no mozart but um okay so we're 20 minutes into this recording yeah i don't think i need to edit any of it this is one of the things that's been troubling me for geeks because that the time spent editing is just time away from things and what's i normally commute to work via a shuttle but i've been in a wheelchair for about a month and using the shuttle in the wheelchair is actually more challenging so i've actually been driving to work oh interesting yeah so the nature of your injury allows you to drive relatively comfortably yes and the 
the discomfort of driving is less than the discomfort of dealing with getting to the bus stop and then getting out and getting to the bus with your wheelchair and all that. Yeah. It's also a mix that my son's driving the kids to school now, so there's less time where I'm actually he doing a more... Yeah. God. Yeah. That's that's crazy to me. Sorry. I started Geeks before time my son was born. Yeah. Um, in any case, now he's 17. So... Uh, he he drives, and so I don't have that get out of the house at a certain time. Also, the kids are in summer school or summer now right, right now, so they're not yeah. going to school in the morning. So that plus my injury, and I've had more medical uh, things going on, like leaving earlier, wanting to potentially leave early because I'm in pain, and so I've just been driving more, and that means I don't have the time to uh, edit podcasts, which I normally do in the shuttle. Right, right, right. So that's slowed by my editing down, hence the you and I having a conversation with Rich about a month ago and the episode's not out, which should be probably part of this one. Since then, I've also had a great conversation with Brad uh, Smith, who runs Simplecast, and you'll either hear, you'll probably hear that episode uh, this coming week. Simplecast is? Simplecast is one of those uh, podcast distribution systems. Oh, okay. So it has a content management system that allows you to upload a podcast file. It manages the XML document. It manages the CDN for all the audio files. That's really nice. Imagine that custom app that I've written for geekspeak.org. Uh, <laughs> that I've been working on for years that's kind of runs the system. Imagine that at scale for multiple companies. Oh. <laughs> but better. <laughs> we we should use that. <laughs> we... So it's so funny. I talked with him about it. I told him I had this system. But, oh, Netflix has just made a deal with Simplecast. It's hosting all of the podcasts. So we are Netflix is now on Simplecast. And so mm. I talked to, I had some complaints about the XML file. You'll hear this in the next episode of Geekspeak. And so I contacted the company and they got me in touch with this guy, Brad. I thought it was an engineer. And after a while I realized it's the founder and CEO of the company and he happened to be out here. So we interviewed it in this very room together and talked about podcasting. And he told me some really wonderful stuff about where the current state of podcasting is and where it's going mm. that I didn't know. And it was such a pleasure to do like, Learn something very technical from somebody. Now, talking about podcasting on a podcast is very navel-gazy. And you'll also find there's a lot of podcasts out there that talk about podcasting because, surprise, surprise, every podcaster knows a bit about podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> so, and cares about it. And cares about it. So you get a lot of people talking about podcasts on podcasts. Yeah. And so, I, I'm Here we are talking about people who talk about podcasts on podcasts. But... How meta you, can we go? But if you want to talk about... I don't know if you want to talk about Max WWC conference that happened. Go listen to the recent episode of The Important Thing, another podcast I do. Or if you want to talk about, you know, the feeling of, of uh, you know, job descriptions and stuff around Netflix, well, you can go listen to We Are Netflix. So there's these other podcasts I'm doing. So I feel like I'm more, I have more open ability to talk about podcasting on this show. Interesting. Maybe that's a bad idea. Pod- <laughs> well, I mean, I, I also assume that listeners of podcasts are probably interested in podcasts. Maybe not to the extent uh, to which podcasters talk about podcasts, but... I think that listeners of this show are interested in technology and technical problems and, you know, problem solving. That's kind of the audience we... Because yeah, it's what we've right. been talking about. So I think it's fair. So I'm curious to know how podcasting, I, I suppose radio, but also podcasting as an outlet has changed for you over the years. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it's changed for me. I think the content of, of the show and the, the idea that what the listener wants, my perspective on that has changed over time. Interesting. Um, it's funny. I'll run into people. I was at a, a, a party celebrating a book. It's a friend of mine's book, um, Warren Sack. It's called Digital Arts. And I'll be interviewing Warren at some point about this. 
And I'm at this party talking to all these professor people in Santa Cruz, and somebody hears my voice, and they're like, oh, we met, and they recognize me from the radio, because, you know, Santa Cruz, KWSP was a big big station there. And they talked about, oh, I used to listen to you all the time, I was so bummed that that show is over. And I was like, well, it's not over, it's a podcast. But it's different, right? Like, yeah, In a it podcast, is yeah, in radio, and I think the reason why the cadence is so different, like we were talking about a minute ago, in radio, you're capturing someone because they've turned it on and they're about to turn their car off and you have moments of fleeting focus. person might start having a conversation while the show is going. The tension of the show is completely different. Right. You need that electricity. You end up with that electricity in the room. When you're in an air room, you've got the mics. Everyone's always in the same location. You've got the clock. Yeah, it's, it's very different. Yeah. After the show, you got to get out of the room so the next person can get into the room during but, the break. And if you're thinking from the listener's perspective, you've got to remind them every once in a while what you're listening to. Yeah. You remember those breaks. One of the things I did at those breaks is, hey, listen to Geek Speak on Loud Trucks on the air moves, blah, blah, blah. We'll be back in a minute, right? Yeah. That whole thing was because who knows when someone tuned in. That's just not the case for a podcast. A podcast, you listen to it because you chose to listen to it. You you decide when you're going to listen to that one unless you have an autoplay. Yeah. But then also if you're kind of interested in the conversation and you you come into your driveway, you pause it. Like you turn your car off, you don't lose that last beat. It just waits for you. So there's a there's a much more focused attention span with podcasts that I think um, I think did, I did not fully grasp until much later. Until I started really thinking about what worked and didn't work on the things I was listening to. Um. So what else do you want to talk about? So I want to talk about my uh, pending surgery. On right, right. You've told me a little bit about it, but I'd love to hear about it maybe from start to finish because I haven't gotten that. All right. So there's a small percentage of the population that has a thing called a PARS defect. PARS? P-A-R-S? Yeah. PARS means the space in between, or so I'm told. It's, I think it's Latin. Um, might be Greek. I have no idea. But PARS means the space in between. So vision the spine of a human being. Okay. You've got all these discs stacked on top of each other of, of bone. And on the side of that, or the the back of that, if you will, there are flanges of bone that kind of stick out and seem to intertwine with each other. Right. Okay. That intertwining part is where the actual hinge of the of the bone is, right? That's what hinges. Oh, that's how they're connected. Yeah. It's not just bones that are stacked with cartilage in between like a hamburger. If you stack a hamburger too, <laughs> a hamburger too tall, it'll just kind of fall over. Right. Um, so those things that stick out the back kind of interlace with each other. All right. Okay? Um, and... You, you kind of mentioned the hamburger stack. Those are vertebrae and uh, and discs in between. The disc is, the pe- people always talk about ruptured disc. Yeah. Yeah, so this is kind of gooey material. It's kind of like a jelly donut, kind of. This is how the description happens. And when your rupture happens, it's kind of squirted out. And what can happen when that squirts out is that that, that can press against different parts of the nerve endings because in between, or interlaced, if you will, between the discs and that flange in the back that, that connects the the spinal line runs and Who nerves. Who designed the human body? Nobody. Evolution. This seems like a really bad idea, right? You know, I used to say to my son, <laughs> we had this thing we taught my son, maybe you've heard it before. I'd say, man, you're a smart little monkey. How do you become such a smart little monkey? And he'd say, evolution. Aw. It was just so charming. And we still use it around the house. So when you say, who who designed it? Evolution. Yeah. yeah. I just imagine my four-year-old son saying that. That's fantastic. And case, now he's driving. And now he's driving. In any case, the... Um, the spinal column runs, it actually ends like above the lumbar area um, or in the lumbar, lumbar area. Lumbar is the lower spine. Yeah. So you have the 
thoracic, which is where your ribs connect. That's the thoracic spine. And then below the thoracic starts the lumbar. And then the lumbar terminates in the sacrum. The sacrum is kind of like you can imagine your tailbone. It's actually part of the skeleton, part of the spine as well. Right. So there's up, and there's, then there's the upper section too where the neck is. I don't know what that's called. So um, the the nerve endings are all down the center of that area. And they 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 come out around, the, like the nerves going to your legs come up around that area as well. So um, when the disc bulges, you can have that disc bulge and press against one of those nerves. Yeah. And, and this is not, the kind of achy, bad good. pain. Yeah. And then, of course, if you get a lot of pain in that space, then your muscles will contract. And then the muscles contract as other problems emerge. It's complicated. It's yeah. not designed well. <laughs> yeah. That becomes a positive feedback loop. Your yeah. muscles, like, uh, cringe up. Uh, cringe up. What's the word I'm looking Stress, for? Stress. Uh, spasm. Yeah, spasm, sure. Um, your muscles spasm, and then that prevents your spine from going back. <laughs> so I don't have any problems with my discs, really. I have a little bit of disc degeneration, but that's not right. the problem. The issue is that the vertebrae, uh, the vertebrae itself, the round part, and the flanges on the back, the space in between that is called pars, the pars. It connects uh-huh. those two. Right. And so the discs are stacked up on top of each other, or sorry, the discs and the vertebrae are stacked on top of each other, and then they're connected to each other through the pars and then in the back where all those things interlike, inter, interlock, okay? I have a thing called a pars defect on my L5. L5 is the very bottom of the lumbar before the sacrum. So That's goes, the fifth vertebrae up? It's, it's not, actually. It's very confusing. Oh, okay. it's, if you take the thoracic, where the bottom rib connects, right, the bottom okay. rib connects to that, that's the thoracic area. And and below that is L1 and then L2, L3, or 4. And to go down uh, the bottom. Lumbar 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Right. Got it. Okay. And the, you're very flexible in the lumbar. Your thoracic area is not flexible because rib cage. Right. I actually, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, fell out of a tree and shattered two of my thoracic vertebrae, 7 and 8, and it, or 8 and 9. And it fused. Those, there's three fused up there naturally, no surgery. So I, I'm not, I've had other problems in my back. Yeah. But no pain. People ask, you have pain? No back pain, no back pain. So now you got the little the that. Right. In January, I was doing some serious exercising in a elliptical. Uh, you run with your feet. You're standing on your feet. You also have your arms, and you're moving your arms back and forth. This causes a twist in your spine. I have hen- since learned that that is bad. So I'm not using that machine anymore. Mm-hmm. But I remember having a very strong like I was I wanted to get through it exercise fast I was doing it too quickly and the next day my left leg hurt uh, oh I, I strained my leg right? mm. and then it just hurt every once in a while so since then I've noticed that after I walk for like 20 minutes my left leg is in severe pain and I've been dealing with that and kind of like oh that's kind of a pain sometimes it happens sometimes it happen, doesn't happen not sure it's associated with walking so I'm in Japan earlier this year for vacation in March, um, and I really notice it because I'm walking a lot. That sure enough, it's painful. I just kept on walking, but it was painful. Then a month later, I'm in Amsterdam for the We Are Netflix podcast, um, and I fly, we fly out and no pain the entire flight. And then Maggie and I, my wife Maggie and I, get out of the uh, plane and we walk through the airport, and my left leg hurts, and I go. Oh, and somehow the connection of being awake for a long period of time and not being in pain but never walking, or only walking short distance to the bathroom in the mm-hmm. plane, I realized it's only when I walk. Right. Okay. Is it when you stand? And I stand, yeah. Okay. So it's about it's about the the form of your body that you're standing upright and and that your body's in that particular yes formation. 
So I, I do some research about this and realize, oh, what happens if I stand? But if I stand, I bend at my waist and throw my torso down. So I just imagine, imagine is seated on the, <laughs> just bent over, really bent right. over. Right. So Maggie and I are finishing it at some restaurant in Amsterdam. We're in the canal area. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. I really liked the trip. And we're just walking back. And I said, I'll just bend over like that. And I walk like that. Sure enough, get back all the way back to the place we're staying, Airbnb we're staying. By the way, thanks for turning me on to Airbnb years ago, Ben. Oh, I don't remember doing that, but you're yeah, welcome. You pitched it. It was awesome. I love it. I've done a lot since then. So we get back up to, and I have no pain in my leg. I'm like, oh. Interesting. So it is about the way you're yeah. holding your body. But that evening, I had a lot of pain in my back. Because I don't know if you walk a mile with your bent over, a lot <laughs> yeah. of strain in your back. Right, right. So, I long and short of it, I come back and get an X-ray. Okay. My L5 uh, vertebrae is not connected to the flange in the back of my back. Is not connected. It is fractured. The bone is actually fractured, so it's not actually connected. The physical connection is broken. Now, I would call that a fracture or a break, and thought that that was the case. But the, the medical terminology they use is a pars defect. Wait, so have you always had this defect? Exactly. That's why they don't call it a fracture, because when did I get it? If you look at the bones themselves, it's been years of them slightly changed. The shape of them has changed. Wow. This defect has existed in me for at least 10 years. Most likely when I was a child at like eight or nine, something happened and it broke. Wow, okay. Some percentage of the population, 5%, 10%, I can't recall exactly, have this defect. So it may have actually been a thing that happened to you where it fractured or it broke or something like that. But, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever, not 40. Not more than 40. Not more than 40. <laughs> 60 years later. <laughs> nope. How old, how old is he? Yeah. Um, I'm, they, 45. So they, I'm 45, actually. 45. Mm-hmm. So they don't call it a they they call it a defect because it's not necessarily a break or a fracture that's happened recently, like at all. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And and you know you think of when you have a bo- broken bone, you got to heal it, right? So a fracture, oh, we got to heal that. This doesn't heal. It doesn't heal. No, it doesn't. It won't reform. It won't heal. Right. That's actually the defect. If you get a crack or fracture like that, and then it heals, fine. you don't have that's what happens with bones. Right. Oh, I see. So, this so defect is so it's not both. that you broke it. Because maybe other people might break it and then they will heal and the defect is that you will not. Yeah, and that's the thing is that they call it a defect because it's not doing the way that you know most yeah. people do. The other thing about this is that the side effect I'm getting, which I'll describe in a minute, does not happen to everybody that has the defect. So you might have this defect. So there's nothing medically wrong with it unless it then causes you problems. Okay. Okay. So I get this x-ray and the L5 vertebrae, this disc part, the hamburger part, if you will, is fallen forward by a centimeter and a half. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's And the, one of the reasons for that is my sacrum, the angle of my sacrum, the next bone down, is steep. When you're standing. When I'm standing more so because you your hips kind of rotate and change right. as your legs move. That and the was sacrum the problem, is the part right? that moves, yeah. So what stops the vertebrae from falling, the, the, the vertebrae itself from falling further when it's not connected? Other things. And one of those other things is my sciatic nerve on my left leg. Ooh, that's not good. So when I stand... Nerves are not supposed to be load-bearing. Right. So when I stand, the disc wants to move forward. When it tries to move forward, all the muscle and tissue around that pull on things. And one of the things that gets pulled on and compressed and hurt is my left uh, sciatic nerve, the nerve that actually is the feeling. Yeah. So in January or, or February, March kind of period, I was walking 20 minutes before this hurt. Now, if I stand... Vertical, 
for 10 seconds, my left leg goes numb. My foot starts getting numb. Wow. So that means it's progressing. And so surgery is necessary. Okay. So we're recording on Friday, uh, the end of June right now. And we'll probably release this episode extremely soon. I hope to at least. Because on Monday, July 1st at noon, I'll have surgery on my spine. Wow. That's uh, that's kind of crazy. I mean, it makes sense given what you've told me. Yeah. So Dr. Suma will cut open my body on my spine in the lower lumbar region. Right. He'll cut right around the center of my back and pull off muscle tissue and push away. And then he'll drill into L5 vertebrae and sacrum one vertebrae and put screws into there, two of them on each. And then he'll connect those two with plates and using screws. And I think all this is stainless steel, but I'm not sure. He'll tighten all this down, pulling that back. Back, right. And so basically he is he is compensating for the part of you that is broken and will not heal itself. Right. Right. Rather than keeping you very, very still while it heals itself. In fact, it probably will never heal itself. Right. right. Because of the, yeah, I see. Yeah. And also it's a, it, you know, it's, it's defective partially because of like the engineering, if you will, of the human body. It's not, it's not designed well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not designed. Yeah. So Period. that, those, that, that uh, in- instrumentation, those screws and stuff will actually not hold my weight and my structure for a long period of time. That huh. doesn't do it. What that's going to do is allow the second stage to happen, which is actually what he's trying to induce. And that is a fusion of those two vertebrae. Oh, interesting. So he's not trying to re- repair the, um, the sacrum part. No. He's he trying to get He's not the, trying to repair the, the pars part, the oh, connection sorry, yeah, back. The yeah. Connection. Yeah. yeah, he's trying to get the vertebrae to fuse. Yes. So that my L5 and my sacrum 1 become one bone. That means your recovery period is probably three longer months. than three months. Three months. Three months before you can go back to work if you have a job that requires physical activity. I'm planning on going back in a month and a half because my job, I can sit in a chair and, and do software wow. and, and go to meetings. So is that just a back brace that holds you still enough for that? or No. So the thing is, if he just did that, uh, the bones wouldn't fuse because there's still that disc in between, that kind of gelatinous thing. Right. So he's going to pull that out. Okay. But then you don't really want the bones to sit on each other. You want them to fuse together. Sorry if this is getting disgusting. Disturbing. No, it's not. Yeah, but it's not just you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm fine with it. Let's talk about gross wow. things. Great. So... What he's going to do is, you know that piece that my, my vertebrae is not connected to, the part that yeah, actually hinders right. my back and stuff? He's going to pull that out, that piece of bone, and he's going to grind that up in a blender. What? Mm-hmm. He's going to, okay, he wait. Needs it. So he's going to grind that up in a blender. He's going to put that in between. He's and going that to add will some cadaver induce... bone. Really? And possibly some other plastic or ceramic material to make enough of this material that is like bone slurry. He's going to then put that bone slurry between my two vertebrae. Like he's tiling or something. Wow. And then he's going to make a bridge between the two on the outside of this kind of putty slurry of bone. Now, what's actually going to happen is the dendrites of the bone, um, the the way calcium actually, like the way bones form is this kind of interesting process that, you know, attracts calcium. You you eat some food, it has calcium in it, it gets in your bloodstream, and then the the bone structure the structure says I need calcium and calcium it globs on yeah right so effectively that's going to happen with all that that's slurry. what the fusion is yes right and so you just need to lay around and eat a lot of calcium <laughs> I don't is know. that that's interesting how much calcium I'll need I'll, I'll have to find out if I should change my diet I'm curious so the the metal structure 
holds that all really still so the bone can fuse together. Right. How are you feeling about all this? Because, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know how it actually be if I was in this situation, but I feel like I wouldn't be able to just casually talk about my surgery and like, oh, they're going to cut me up in this way. And, but, but I, I, I wonder like, what has this, what has this process been like for you? I think watching how I handle it is one of the most fascinating things about understanding myself. What have you learned? Well, this morning I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine about launching a small business around podcast recording hardware. Why? I came up with me this week and I thought to do that. Well, what's the motivation of that? Like, do I have enough projects? Yeah, I have a full-time job. I have three kids. And like several podcasts already. The idea of doing another thing is, mm. there's something odd about that. Well, what is that odd thing? It's, it's motivated from something. It's motivated from my fear of death, maybe. Or my you know thought process of like, well, I'm going to sit around for all this time not doing anything. What if I initiate a project, then I'll have something to do, right? The truth is, I need to sit around and not do anything. Because I have to get my body time to heal. And that means resting. And that means being in a space that I'm not putting myself under any kind of strain, even intellectual strain. Hmm. So I think that I'm trying to fight that at some level. Um, trying to be, you know, pushing through or keeping myself busy intellectually so I don't think about it. Right, right. But it's not like this stuff is conscious. See, I noticed that. So when you broke your back... Um, I, I was doing Geeks Week at that point, and I remember it was very strange, not only that you, you broke your back, and you missed Geeks Week. Oh my God, you missed Geeks Week. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But um, but I, I noticed this about you then, too, is that you kind of dive into the, the logistics and the details of what's going to happen medically, and you learn all about the, the thing. And I, I have wondered if that's a way of like dealing like overcompensating dealing with it uh, intellectually so that way you can uh offset the difficulties of dealing with that emotionally yeah definitely yeah but you know i mean obviously <laughs> we were meeting with the doctor last week and maggie said oh well the pain for this is it going to be more when he than when he broke his back or less than when he broke his back and the doctor, not like insensitively, but definitely intellectually only, not not empathically, said, "Oh yeah, oh this will be this will hurt a lot more." Right? Uh... So like <laughs> one of the most painful experiences I've ever experienced pales to what I'm about to experience this next week. Wow! So I was talking about this with a, a colleague of ours, uh, and she recently had a baby about a year and a half ago, and so she started talking about preparing for labor. And I thought, oh, all these other times I've caused severe pain to myself, you know, stabbed, stabbed myself in the leg or shot myself in the leg or, or motorcycle accident head on with a, with a truck or fallen out of a tree, all these major impacts and in pain. There was never precognition about it. It just happened. And then it I had happened to, handle to it. you. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Reactive. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had, I've had oral surgery and stuff like that, like a dentist. Um, but this is a little different. Yeah. This one is like, this is happening. And I've known for a month this is happening at a certain date. So she t she yeah. started giving suggestions that were just like what you hear about labor. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be similar to labor. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. You know, but it is interesting, the idea of like, how do you prepare yourself to experience something that will be uncomfortable and will be difficult? Right, 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 right. How do you? Well, I think in our society, we, we 
lean on this idea that pain is bad and you should hide it. Yeah. And so drugs, drugs, drugs. Last time I broke my back, I uh, did not like taking Oxycontin and stuff like that. I just don't like the way it feels. It And not to say that, like, well, you don't like to be dopey. No, I don't mind being, like, you know, I'll, I'll have libations of some sort in my life. I don't mind that. It's just the long duration avoidance of pain with cognitive yeah. disability doesn't, I don't like that. Yeah. So I'll probably just experience more pain than normal and meditate through it. And I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know next month when we talk again. Wow. Okay. GeekSpeak here is a registered service mark of David Lawrence's user permission and GeekSpeak is Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Use our stuff anyway you'd like. Just let them know we made it. The theme song is by Michael Newman of Pet Star Music. I'm Lyle Troxel. Ben Chaffee, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thanks. <laughs>